This show is part of the WND Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more shows from WND, please head to our website at wndpress.com backslash podcast to see our current lineup. Like, I mean, we were similar. We had something together, like this. You know what I mean? We thought alike, we felt the same way. But you, fuck you. Dude, I'm coming in hot. Let me tell you. Okay. All I, right. I mean, I am firing on all cylinders, and I don't even mean in a good way. Tell let me. me tell you. Let me. Let me tell you what's happened. Tell me what's okay. happened. Two months ago, I'm driving, right? I'm in the right lane. <laughs> <laughs> this is, you can tell because it starts two I, months I ago. I knew. I knew. I already know what this is. This is so good. So I'm driving, right? I haven't told this story on the show. And I see a guy in the left lane going real slow. Yeah, okay. But the guy behind him, Chevy Malibu, I would find out later because I don't know from cars. And uh-huh. the guy's just like vrooming up on the guy's ass, you know. And I, as, as I'm past, I'm starting to pass the Malibu. I'm, I, I'm doing my usual five to ten over. And I look over. I'm like, man, that guy's a dick. He fucking sideswipes me immediately. Boom. He hits my car. And then this motherfucker gunned it. He just, he hit me and, and he hit and he ran. He hit and he drove. And I'm in my Mitsubishi. I'm not sure I can catch the Chevy Malibu, but I the, the torrent of filth that fell out of my mouth when our cars connected. I, I was on so much adrenaline, so you know what I did? I fucking floored it, and I chased him, which you definitely shouldn't do. Yeah, don't do that. I was on a straightaway with no cars, so that's why I felt safe in doing it. We go up to a red light. Literally, there were no other cars around me. I floored it, and I went after him. So I get up behind him. <laughs> I take a bunch of pictures of his license plate, and I'm holding the phone up. And I'm just like, yo, hey, dum-dum. And then I pull up next to him. I roll my window down. And I could see that he had no face tattoos. Yeah. So I felt, I felt safe in saying, pull <laughs> your shit over. Uh-huh. So we pull over. There's a little bit of damage to my car. Not too much. But my window won't go up or down. It's all fucked up, right? Right, right. Had a, I actually had a witness. He was a real-life Florida man. He pulls in behind me. He's like, oh, I saw the whole thing. Why are you driving like an asshole? I got kids in this neighborhood. It's like, you probably got kids in every neighborhood, bro. <laughs> but it was nice because, you know, you need a witness sometimes. And I didn't call the cops on him. Yeah. Okay. Because I managed to catch him. I was going to call the cops if I couldn't catch him. Or if he looked like he could liquidate me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we get it sorted out. Your brother uh, pu- pushes my window up. I did scream at him a lot. Uh, I didn't threaten him, though. because That shows progress. Okay. You know, I kept my distance. I was about seven feet from him. And I'm just like, what the... I f- God damn it! Like I, I didn't, I didn't call him any names. I didn't do anything like that. He was almost in tears. He told me he, he said I didn't know that I hit you because my music was loud, and I was like, <laughs> okay, so <laughs> well done, well done. That yeah, was a good smooth, one very smooth. Anyway, I've been dealing with the insurance company. They say I filed my claim wrong. They read my claim wrong. I know how to file a claim. I'm not a fucking idiot. Uh huh. I got to take the car to the body shop. Long and short of it, right? I take it to this body shop, and I'm gonna say the name. Because of what they did to me. <laughs> Rachel's collision in Daytona. <sighs> so they say, bring it in. We're going to keep it a week, right? Uh-huh. Fine. Bring it in. Say, you know, got to fix the window. Got to deal with the damage on the side, etc. Insurance supposed to pay for it. It wasn't my fault. It's supposed to be pick it up Friday, right? Sure, sure. No call Friday. Call them. 
they don't they sound like they don't even know where they are when they pick up the phone shuffling of papers i'm like i'm like hey i just wanted to know if uh, i could get an estimate on when my car might be ready well you need to give us your name and tell us what your car is sir and i was like really <laughs> okay so it starts off like that they put me on hold for like 10 fucking minutes place isn't even that big anyway it takes them an extra four days fine you can keep it just let me know i got the rental I got to knock heads with Allstate about the fucking insurance claim anyway. And so I picked the car up. Uh-huh. It looks beautiful on the side. They're great at bodywork. I'll give yeah. them that, which I'm assuming is what their most their bread and butter is. But, you know, there are other things that need to be fixed when you get into a fucking collision. It's Sure. Woo. Sure. So I, I say, cool, it looks great. I go to push the window down. And it goes. <laughs> and I look at the guy and I'm like, what are we going to do, bro? So he's like, well, I'll order the part. No apologies. No acknowledgement of like, oh, we should have fixed that. He looked at it with with complete bewilderment. Just like, huh. That's strange. It's like, it's like yeah, you didn't fucking touch the fucking window. So I had to pay my $500 deductible, which Allstate got wrong. So they're supposed to give me my fucking money back. I gotta chase those assholes around. These, these fucking uh-huh. animals. But I go pick it up today. Oh, I go, good. I, I leave it and, I, and 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 they're like, yeah, we're gonna fix the window. Get in the car. Window's perfect. I'm like, good, <laughs> great. I pull into my parking spot at home. Uh huh. Go to open my door. Door doesn't open. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so unexpected. <laughs> so I go <clears throat> and I'm like, can't fucking. The door won't open. And uh-huh. I'm on the phone actually with Matt Moment at the time. Uh-huh. And he and he hears the he hears the panic in my voice. And he's like, he's like, all right, calm down. Is there another door that you can get out of? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. And and like in my in my anger, I, I didn't realize that I had I always lock the car when I get into it. You're supposed to do that anyway. You don't want someone coming up unlocking your door. It's just a habit of mine. I forgot that I had locked the door. Holy so I go shit, to open the passenger door. I go to open the passenger door. I'm like, I can't open it. I, I'm stuck in my car. I ended up it, it was like a scene in Sunny where Charlie and everyone they come out the back of the bar and the guys put the fence up. Uh-huh. And like the fence, it's like it's like right at the doorway. So they bump right into it and they feel they're like hemmed in and claustrophobic. And Charlie's <laughs> like, don't climb it. Don't climb it, Dennis. Don't do it. And he starts screaming because he just can't deal with it. I crawled out the back of my car because my fucking back door opened. They fucking didn't fix it. They they did fix it and they broke something else. I called your brother and he's like, this is what he says. He goes, it's like. It's like two plugs, man. I'll fix it tomorrow. It'll take me three minutes. <laughs> He's like, you know, these body shops, they're, they're not very dependable. <laughs> I can hear my brother saying that, too. He actually, so I was talking to him on the phone when you called him. He goes, gotta go, Mikey's, Mikey, your boyfriend's calling you. <laughs> so, Did I ever tell you about the time uh, my dad drove a Camaro around for like a year and a half that the door would not open and he would climb in and out of the window? Like, like and he fucking would just, Duke's ass. Uh-huh, yeah. And he would tell people, he would tell people, like, when people would ask, he'd be like, oh, the car just goes so fast, we had to weld the door shut. <laughs> Tom Spiker. Driving yeah. a fucking red Camaro from the 80s, like, for, like climbing in and out of his window. Ridiculous. Just a-rocking and a-rolling. Uh-huh. 
Well, that that's my one negative moment on the show tonight because my list is just a cornucopia of delights. Oh, good. So I thought I thought I I thought I'd take that plane down in Shanksville right before we started. I like it. I like it. So you want to introduce the show then? Are we there? Hi, everybody. Welcome. I don't want to hear it. I'm Mikey. I'm Shane. And welcome back to another one on one or five where we pick some stuff that we like or maybe tolerate and we tell you about it. Yeah. And uh, mine, mine is all stuff that I like, I think, this week. So typically mine are more positive. Yeah, I got a theme this week. I haven't done a theme in a while. I got a few yeah. themed, themed one on one ideas coming up. So, you know, it could be good, could be bad. After that lengthy intro of my crying, why don't we just go right ahead and get into a forgotten freshness? Whoop whoop! I'm in an ape suit! That means I don't give a fuck! Well, I'm getting paid! Everybody sit there and shut the fuck up while I'm peeling caps like bananas, motherfucker! My band this week is a little band called Holy Hour. I thought you were going to stop at Hole. No, I don't want to listen to that gargoyle bitch fucking yammer on about all the heroin she did and how she killed her husband. Okay, now, Holy on. Hour, they're a band from Philadelphia that some of our friends were in. What? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. There Are was they your a, there friends was, or our friends? Well, I mean, we knew them. They were friends of friends, okay? Now, I met these guys through the band My Turn to Win, which, uh, of course, was uh, the guitarist was Jess Goldie. He was somebody that we you ah. used to come down to Florida all the time with Becky, and they were our friends from Philadelphia. Yeah. And they, they introduced us to, to Dan, or Dave, excuse me, I said Dan, Dave and Myers, and Myers sings for this band. And of course, meantime, it was around the time Meantime was playing, and Meantime had been on tour. And we just met a lot of the people from Philly. I didn't know all of them because I had quit Meantime, but I knew some of them, especially Jess, and I knew Dave. He was a really cool dude, and I, I really liked Becky. And they, they're the ones that introduced me to Myers, and this was Myers' band. Okay. Now, I realize, and I really love this EP because they only did the one EP, that was it, and they were done. It's on Bandcamp, though, so you can listen to it, and you definitely should. This came out 11 years and, like, two days ago. Oh. <laughs> which is, which is wow. a because I keep forgetting, like, time does not stand still. Right. So, That's weird. Oh, it's really weird. Now, I could be wrong, and Jesse knows, Jesse knows this group more than I do. I think Myers played bass in My Turn to Win. And My Turn to Win was a pretty good band. They're a little more on the traditional tip, but like they had it, they had a heaviness to them. The record set was really produced really well. Dave had a great voice. They were a good band. They were a good hardcore band, and I dug them. But I do like Holy Hour more because it's a little bit more up my alley. Okay. Okay. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. Myers, he sings for this band. And to me, and probably to you because it's the same touchstone. They sound a lot like Verse mm. and our own home state heroes from back in the day, Way to the World. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. It's very fast. It's very melodic. It's very creative and, and unique and personal. Myra's voice is great. Everyone used to imitate him, including her brother. They used to <laughs> imitate him like this, but he doesn't <laughs> sound like that. Uh, he, he really has a great like natural voice for this type of hardcore. 
Um, they did one EP. It was called Separated. Very personal lyrics. It's very thematic. It has a beginning and an end feel. You know, it's it's definitely meant to be listened to in one chunk. It moves in a certain way. Um, it's bookended by the tracks, and it begins at the ending. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I really wish they would have toured. I would have loved. I mean, my dream would have been for Rewritten to have done a split with them because it would have fit. It would have been great. Holy Hour is an intensely good band. It's 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 just it's something that everyone should listen to. Please check the show notes and click on the link because I completely forgot about them. And then I was looking through all my files. I found them. I listened to the EP while I was running the other day. It's so good. I miss all the Philly Jersey people. I'm not going up there though. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me that at least Mean Time was good for something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things. I would love to collect like uh, like the EPs and get all the things from our friends that were in bands at the time. Like all you know, throughout our kind of music endeavors, because I feel like there were a bunch of bands that you can't find. Like I feel like Prayer Chain yeah. is one of those bands that I really, really loved. That was really good, and they were kind of like in. They did that really cool um, uh, fucking Breeders cover. They did, yeah. um, uh, which was awesome. And so, but you can't find that stuff anywhere unless you like really dig or you have to ask them specifically. So anyway. Well, it's one of those things where it's like, it's available, but you're not going to know about it. So like, you need someone to point you in the right direction. I mean, like right. Shovelhead. I mean, God, centuries, so good. centuries was on, was on a major, was on Southern Lord. But like, I feel like a lot of people forgot about them. They were a really good band. Yeah, they were fun. I Shovelhead. Think, what a great fucking name for it. I think Harbinger was a great band. I, I wouldn't say as good as Shovelhead, but pretty thick and good yeah yeah maybe we'll do that friends bands one day yeah we should you know friends bands that we love that that uh deserve more credit uh we'll add it to the list we'll add it to the list of episodes to the list uh, to the list so uh before we get into our lists i do have a band that i want to talk about today um and so my band is a band that i feel like gets forgotten for being a good band at some point in time and they just put out they they were a very prolific band in the in the span of time that they were around. And uh, when when we well I don't know about you but like I know that when my friend group uh, specifically discovered this band we loved them and then they got really famous and then everybody was like oh so sick of this band and then the anti flag uh, no uh, anti flag put out a lot of fucking records though since um, <laughs> since uh, the fucking the one record that I really liked uh, underground needlessly Network. prolific yeah. So this band is called Yellow Card. It makes me so mad that that guy made millions of dollars off of three three chords. That entire song has the same three chords. It's a good record, though. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I love them, but it's it's not a bad record for what it is. No, it's a great record. It's a really you know, go back and listen to it. You're like, oh. I get why they were famous. So, so if you're not familiar with the band, uh, Yellow Card was from Jacksonville, Florida, and decided to get the fuck out of Florida and go to California. Uh, and they were known for having a violinist in their band. And so the violinist would play an electric violin and also do backflips. Yeah, do you remember that? So dumb. So this band was definitely kind of a pop punk band. If you, I mean, if for anybody listening, you have heard Yellow Card, so I'm not going to go ahead and describe what they sound like. But for those of you who have not ever heard of them, they are just a very pop punky type of band. They were famous for the song Ocean Avenue, um, but arguably the best song on that album is um, uh, Only One. Here I go. 
Scream my lungs out. Big chorus. It's a good song. You know, I remember that It's a that great one. fucking song. Um, so <clears throat> the whole album's great. Now, here's one thing I want to say is, is I am one of those people that when a band that I like continues to put out records, I will still give their new records a listen, even if they are past their prime. Third Eye Blind is an example of that band. Um, but speaking of which, their self-title just hit 25 years. Um, it's 25 years old the other day. So it's 25. It's 25 years old, the self-titled record. I mean, it came out when we were kids. So, like, I was 11 when it came out. So, like, it it's still, oh, God. you know. But, uh, so, Yellow Cards put out a bunch of really great records. Uh, put, put, put out a bunch of really good records. And there's a lot of really great songs that you can find within their later records. Like, on Southern Air, they have a song called Here I Am. Uh, Here I Am Alive, which is, like, super catchy and poppy. Um, on Paper Walls, the song The Takedown is a fucking banger. Uh, Lights and Sounds has some good songs on it, too. And, uh, but, you know. I didn't know their first record was called Midget Tossing. <laughs> oh, don't dig too deep. Don't yep. dig too deep on nope. anybody. <laughs> that came out in 90, 1997. And uh, so if from mean, 1997. Yeah, I right. I remember one for the kids. I remember that one. Yeah, that's the one that I think we all found uh, yeah. found them on. And so they put out, in 97, they put out Midget Tossing. Their last album was Yellow Card. It was self-titled in 2016. They are officially broken up. Um, they did break up. But they had put out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten albums in that nineteen years. So every other year they were putting out an album, and people don't know that. Yeah, it's that's a lot. They're pretty prolific. They're prolific. I wouldn't again, say needlessly. I mean, anti flag gets on my nerves, like I said. Yellow, <laughs> yellow card. It's like okay, you're not hurting anybody. I'll never forget seeing Yellow Card play with Fallout Boy at the social, um, and all of our friends head walking. During Yellow Card and Fall Boy, they were so jerks, stupid so assholes jumping on a bunch of teeny boppers' heads. Like, look what I can do! Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it, it's so ridiculous. So, ridiculous. anyway, uh, apparently, Midget Tossing came out before the singer Ryan Key joined the band. So, apparently, they had a different singer, and that was a different situation. Mm. So, uh, anyway, go listen to Yellow Card's Ocean Avenue. It's a fun, it's a fun little romp back to 2003. Yeah, dude, I remember. Um, I mean, I didn't flip over it, but I liked that record. It was enjoyable. And uh, I remember <laughs> I always equated them with that band Rufio. <laughs> Rufio, dude, Rufio's great. I I don't know if I'd say great. I'd say that their guitarist or guitarists were insanely talented. Dude, but that These album. These dudes ripped so hard, but <laughs> they chose to play some of the goofiest sounding fucking music it was like if you took all the oomph out of a wilhelm scream and had a had like a 12 year old girl sing for them dude no go listen to um uh what's it called perhaps perhaps i suppose go listen i to have album. i've it's listened so to that good. album but i get so i get you probably listened to that album a whole lot at that time you should yeah, revisit yeah. it though because it's it's a good it, perhaps i suppose is great uh actually jesse's one of Jesse's favorite bands is Rufio. That blows my mind because I feel like Jesse would listen to it and he'd be like, this fucking sucks. Dude, no, Jesse loves it. As a matter of fact, while we go through this episode, I'm going to confirm it with Jesse because I think it's definitely worth um, getting that from him. Actually, your brother just texted me. This is what he had to say. What's that dumb mosh band that's obsessed with Samurai's call? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Jesse. Oh, that's Rise of the North Star. Doesn't he know yes. that? I, even I know that. Yes, it is. He doesn't have time. He's a business owner. Spiker Motorsports, take your car in. Get it ripped apart and put back together because he can do it. He can do anything. 
Hey, real quick, uh, Jesse's calling me, so we're gonna go ahead and put him on real quick. Jesse. James. Uh, well, you're on. You're on the show. Uh, Mikey. Mikey can I think hear you? Will you talk? Out Hi, loud? Jesse. Uh, of course. Uh, so thoughts on Rufio the band? Yes. Rufio the band has the hardest shredder in all of pop punk, <laughs> <laughs> and they're amazing. But the singer whispers the whole time he sings. Okay. Well, we're gonna get back to the show. So. What's that? Banger after banger. Banger after banger. Okay. All right. Well, certified. Okay. So that's a that's a certified uh, recommendation from Jesse Spiker. So we'll 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 go ahead and put that on the show. But you guys have a good show. See you later. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess it's probably time to get to the goddamn list. It's about goddamn time. So for my my list this week, it's themed. Haven't done one in a while. You know, I'm probably gonna do a Dune list and ju- at some point and just just melt everybody's brains and exhaust exhaust their patience. It's gonna go sand, sand worms, sandworms, spice, S- spice, Polytrades. It's like acid and crack and oil. Um, I did just get to the part in, uh, God Emperor where Leto has described that he is one day going to return back to the sand and that pieces of his consciousness will be in all the future sandworms. So he will never die, but he will also never know rest. And it's actually very sad. Oh, that's sad. I don't like that. It's sad. All right. So my list this week is themed around one thing. And that one thing is sitcoms. Oh, great. Good. Oh, let me tell you something. Great. My number five is my love for and the healing power of sitcoms. Okay. I like that. That's fair. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm sure that most people probably would not expect me to be an extensive sitcom fan, but I grew up on 60s, 70s, 80s, and some 90s sitcoms, and they are a huge part of my life. I still watch them all the time. I enjoy them thoroughly. And that's what my list is about. Okay. So my number five is how it's just, it's, I love sitcoms. I used to, when I was a kid, I used to every Friday and Saturday night, I would stay up late for Nick at night. And I, and, and, and also I would also watch sitcoms. Like when my mom would drop me off my grandparents during the summer, when I was a little kid, I would sit in the back room, you know, when, when we weren't doing stuff, like they'd take me out and we'd go do stuff and I'd help my grandpa do stuff. But then I would go in the back room of my grandparents when I wasn't sneaking MTV or the scrambled porn and I would watch sitcoms <laughs> all yeah. day. Uh-huh. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to hit you off with a list. I'm going to hit you off with a, with a quick list here. These are some of my favorites and some of the best because my taste when it comes to sitcoms is impeccable. Let's go. All in the family. Uh. The Honeymooners. Taxi. Welcome back, Cotter. Wait, hold on. Did you just eh all in the family? Yeah, I don't care about it. You know what? Let me take it back. No, here's what I'm going to do. You know what? I'm going to take it back. I'm so sorry because I know that you find joy and love in this stuff, and I realize that it's a shitty and cynical thing to do. So I'm not going to shit on your stuff right now. Like, I'm going to appreciate it. When, When you talk about shows that broke ground, that had a cultural impact that are part of the zeitgeist forever. All in the family is like, is like right there with Seinfeld. Right. 
cultural impact. That. It changed people's lives when they saw what Archie Bunker would do, when they saw his stupidity and his biasness. And, and, they, and they learned how to deal with the people in their own families, and they learned how to live with it and sort of mold the people around them to, to be more accepting and to be more positive and truthful. How are you going to tell me eh about All in the Family? I took it back. I'm going to keep going. Welcome back, Cotter. Sanford and Son, Three's Company, The Andy Griffith Show, Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, The Dick Van Dyke Show, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Rhoda, spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore, Barney uh -huh. Miller, Fish, spinoff of Barney Miller, Frasier, Wings, The Facts of Life, Family Ties, Alice, F Troop, I Dream a Genie, Bewitched, not my favorite, but I watched them, The Bob Newhart Show, Newhart, The Beverly Hillbillies, I Love Lucy, Night Court, CPO Sharky, A... Completely underappreciated Don Rickles' vehicle. The Golden Girls, the Munsters, the Adams Family, not as good as the Munsters. News Radio, Just Shoot Me, Dinosaurs. I also love the Three Stooges, Laurel and Hardy, and Columbo, Matlock, McMillan and Wife, Murder, She Wrote, and the Rockford Files. I got more TV up here than fucking Seth, what's his name, the created family guy. <laughs> hold on, wait, hold on. Matlock is not a sitcom. I understand. I added those in there sort of separately. Three Stooges is not a sitcom. Neither is Laurel and Hardy. Neither is Columbo, Mac Matlock, McMillan right, and right, Wife, right, right. or the Rockford Files, or Murder, She Wrote, but it it's adjacent. Okay, Columbo. I believe you. You ever watch Columbo? No. Get the fuck out of here. Now, <laughs> Seinfeld, obviously Seinfeld is my all-time number one, and Friends is garbage. Now, <laughs> sure. Garbage. There's a nostalgia to them, of course, I'll admit it, and it comforts me. You know, as you get older, you you sort of learn to let go of nostalgia. You know, you, you realize that sort of dwelling in the past is not healthy. But there are certain times when it's okay to go back. And sitcoms sort of provides like a safe window back to a much more uncomplicated time for me. Plus, they make me laugh. They inform my sense of humor. And you got no Always Sunny in Philadelphia without sitcoms you got no none of the shows that i that that are dark and modern that i really love like curb or pretty face or veep any of the adult swim stuff you don't have that without the foundation of sitcoms there's no aqua teen without all in the right. family right so it's just not gonna happen and i'll tell you what else i don't respect anyone's sense of humor if they don't know anything about sitcoms don't respect it okay no respect i mean i i grew up watching that stuff that stuff was always on like, I could tell you about that, but... One show that I, I always liked, but I didn't watch religiously was Cheers, which I feel like I'd like Cheers. I love Frasier. Frasier was a spinoff. So was Wings, which I love Wings. But at any rate... Wait, Wings? Wait, Wings is a spinoff of Cheers? Wings is a spinoff of Cheers, because if you'll... If, if you ever watched Wings, which I know you fucking didn't, because you make fun of me, Frasier Crane, character on Cheers, character on Frasier, before he started Frasier, he made an appearance on wings as the character so did i believe norm and what was the other guy the mailman uh uh steve no it wasn't steve Mac. it was norm and the other guy they also came into the airport during one episode so it's tangentially connected to the cheers universe i never really uh. liked ted danson I, I i'm a bit like larry david in that respect but at any rate i love sitcoms and they just make me happy, and I watch them quite a lot, especially to fall asleep to. So if you if you grew up on sitcoms, you should go back. You should watch a few. You should buy some on Amazon. I bought a bunch of them on Amazon, a bunch of seasons. You should watch them. It's good for you. That's my okay. Opinion. All right, that's a good. That's a good. I mean, I'm glad that I'm glad. I feel like we're gonna have a good like positive list. So I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you kicked off that way. Um. So my my number five. 
has nothing to do with sitcoms, um, but it does have to do with something that does get discussed on some of the sitcoms that you've mentioned, and that is mental health. <laughs> so you and I have struggled. You you and I have our own struggles with mental health, uh, yeah! which is always fun. Uh, sure. So, yeah. I'm in therapy. So, I go. We yeah, talk. it's fine. So one thing that um, I tend to start, I've started to pay attention to this a little bit more. Um, is my I have like these like swings, these upswings and downswings of just kind of my general motivation. And it's usually related to kind of my uptick and downtick in my hypomania, which uh, I think I've talked about on the show before. Uh, what is that so again? I'm hypomanic, which means that I'm pretty much like it's like a subset of like borderline personality disorder. <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. Uh, so basically, uh, it's like all the cool things that come along with that and none of the problems. Uh, so basically, like... Doesn't it mean uh, you like only sleep like four hours a night? Uh, yeah, I don't sleep very much at all. Um, so, so, but... But there, so there, I mean, there are times where I definitely, I could, what I should say is like, I could, I could survive on four hours. Do I prefer it? Not really. But like, I could do pretty okay on four hours and function normally for, for like extended periods of time. Not like one night. Um, Right now, I am like at the beginning of an uptick in my hypomanic episodes. So like, I'm feeling super productive. Like in the last week, I have uh, completed like a bunch of projects at work. Uh, I've gotten super organized. You all can't see it in my background because I've got a fucking demon behind me uh, in the for my patrons. But like, I did I, for the patrons. But I do have like a new shelf that I put in here that like organized like some of my projects and stuff. So I'm like really feeling. I'm feeling really good right now. I'm in a space where things are good. I'm feeling really good. I'm feeling like I have a lot of energy. I'm feeling like I'm like operating at my peak, which is I am efficient. I am effective. I am um, like, I am organized and I am not dropping any balls right now. Uh, what's going to end up happening is I'm going to in a couple of weeks and that's kind of what happens. I will start failing and failing rapidly, uh, but it'll only be like for a week. And then it'll start kind of picking back up. So right now, I'm feeling really good. I feel like I'm very accomplished. And I'll talk about some of the accomplishments that I had uh, on my list this week. But that's my number five is my uptick in hypomanic episodes. See, when you say uptick in hypomanic episodes, it sounds very bad. It does sound bad, but it's actually very good. It's like... It's so one of the symptoms of hypomania is that like you have these extended periods of euphoria, like not like a high, but like you, you are like you, you go from like, I tend to be very cynical in general. Like I have like a, like a cynical streak in me, but this, my cynicism gets put to the side, uh, during these, like these periods of time where I'm like at my like peak performance. Yeah. I feel like I've been in a bit of a spiral lately. <laughs> so maybe I'm taking that energy from you. Maybe that's where my uptick is coming from, as I'm taking it from your life force. <laughs> your psychic vampire. <laughs> oh, oh no. Well, I, I'm glad that you're in a good spot. It'll work for a little bit. And right now you're sort of keeping up appearances. Yeah, right now I'm a shell. Which leads me to my number four. Oh, good. Which is a show called Keeping Up Appearances. <laughs> So for my number four, I see the rest of my list. I'm going to, I'm going to list off some shows that may not be, um, super well known okay. and tell you why you should watch them. So my number four is a show called keeping up appearances. It's a British show. I love British comedy. Actually. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that is anything I've ever talked about, but I do. Okay. And this is one of my favorites. You have talked about that because you brought up faulty towers. Oh, we're going to talk about faulty towers. Don't you Great. worry about that. Great. Keeping up appearances. The show 
it was in the early 90s, I think from uh, 90 to 95, but they did a lot of specials and stuff after the fact. It's very, it's a legendary show. So, Keeping Up Appearances is a fantastic show you should watch. The show centers on this snobby sort of retiree-aged housewife named Hyacinth Bouquet. Uh-huh. Uh, she's played by the incomparable Patricia Rutledge, who has won... <laughs> she has an over 70-year career in TV and film. You can't That's fuck with her. Nuts. I think she's dead now. Okay. Um, but see, her name is Hyacinth Bouquet, but her name is spelled Bucket, and they're always... <laughs> <laughs> always the mailman, the, the postman. He's always delivering mail. It's like, is Mrs. Bucket here? She's like, it's okay. Um, she spends her days basically trying to shed this lower class background that she comes from and pretending to be a part of the upper crust. Uh, and of course, this gets her into a real, no pun intended, bucket of trouble. Ah, so, nice. Hyacinth basically comes from this white trash family. Three sisters. They're all named after flowers. We only see two of them. You got Daisy and Rose. Rose is, this is the 90s, so she's the loose one, right? Sure, 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 sure. And she's always threatening to kill herself because her latest married boyfriend dumped her. Oh, Mr. Macabre, I'm going to end it all. Uh, Daisy is a bit of a slob, but she's very lovable. And she's married to Onslow. Onslow. He's a tattooed beer guzzling, uh, kind of, uh, just lump. And uh, Hyacinth describes him as work shy, bone idle, and out of condition. Now, Violet is the other sister. No one ever sees. She's actually rich and very refined. And Hyacinth is always trying to emulate her. So you see the pull, the back and forth here, the conflict of the show. It's, it's yeah, of course. Of course. It's beautifully done. So Hyacinth has a senile father, Daddy. Who <laughs> <laughs> oh, is Daddy? He's always getting himself into trouble. He's chasing women around, escaping from the hospital, constantly going missing. He was on like a skateboard in one episode and he ran into some trash cans. <laughs> oh, Daddy, slow down. Um, Hyacinth's two favorite things in the world are planning her candlelight suppers and hearing from her son, Sheridan. Sheridan is off at college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Candlelight suppers never happen because something always fouls things up. She's got this nervous neighbor, Elizabeth, who always accidentally breaks her special china. It's, it's, it's the royal Dalton with the hand-painted periwinkles. And <laughs> Daisy, Onslow, and Rose always find some reason to show up. And that causes Hyacinth to go to great lengths to prevent anyone from seeing that she comes from these scumbags. So Sheridan, her son, also only calls when he needs money. It's also hinted that he's gay and Hyacinth is way too proper and naive to understand <laughs> that he's like borrowing money for poppers or something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, like I said, series debuted in 90, ended in 95. It had some extra stuff. And there's a prequel actually called Young Hyacinth that's hugely popular in Britain, but I've never seen it. So weird. <laughs> One of the best recurring gags. Hyacinth, she like go to Daisy's house reluctantly all the time. Her husband Richard, he's just completely henpecked. She's always a Richard, and she he's got to drive her somewhere because she it's not proper for her to drive anywhere. Of course, of course. So they always go to Daisy's house, and they're walking up the front walk, and there's a dog that lives in this junked out car in the front yard, and it always barks at her, and then she falls into a shrub. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, it's a very funny show. It's on Prime. Uh, and, and like other BBC shows, it's like, you know, the first season's like five episodes. It's like, it's like six bucks. You should watch it. It's very funny. So number four, keeping up appearances. 
I, I probably won't watch it because I don't really like British, uh, British sitcoms, but I do appreciate that you enjoy that. My number four is my record for the list. With Teeth by Nine Inch Nails. I feel like you don't really give a shit about Nine Inch Nails. I feel like I feel like that's uh that's the feeling I get in general. I don't think that you hate Nine Inch Nails. I just don't think that you care. I mean, I like uh, I like that most Precious Blood when they covered Head Like a Hole. That was cool. That's a cool cover. That is a cool cover. So <clears throat> here's why I listen to With Teeth is uh, so when I was a kid, I ended up getting a uh, downward spiral and one of those like free like send this in and get twelve free CDs like one of those things. I got it by accident. <laughs> You were one of the you, you did one of those CD things. What the fuck was it called? It wasn't published. It was like it was, was something like, like that though. It was like Columbia House or something like yes, that. Yes, Columbia. I, you yeah. did Columbia House. Yeah, I did, and I didn't understand it. So I sent it in and got a bunch of CDs. They showed up at the house, and I don't remember even opening the package, and I don't remember how they were paid for. Wow, that's crazy, man. It's like nobody I knew ever did Columbia House. Just like everybody had an NES or a Sega. Nobody had a Turbo Graphics, but they existed. I did it. I got uh, so out of that deal. I got uh, Downward Spiral. I got Tragic Kingdom. I got the Godzilla soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me. Uh, uh, I got Sublime. I got um, the, the self-titled. The self-titled Sublime. Psh, that's I a got fucking steal right there. I got Razorblade Suitcase. Nice. I got the Battle of Los Angeles by Rage nice. Machine. I got the records. I got the cities. I got were fucking great from it. Like I didn't get any bad ones. That's pretty good, so, man. Yeah. So, so anyway, I've always really liked Nine Inch Nails. Uh, the song "Closer" just always kind of made me uncomfortable when I was a kid because I was like, I don't know what he's saying. I know what he's saying, but I don't like what he's saying. It's so uncomfortable. So, yeah. but I remember when "With Teeth" came out because I didn't really listen to them a whole lot, and I started listening to them this week because now that the Foo Fighters have dropped off Rockville, Nine Inch Nails has replaced them. Oh, the Foo Fighters did drop, didn't they? Yeah. So they did drop. So. Oh, um, yeah. So it is a bummer, but Nine Inch Nails is now headlining that day on the same day that Smashing Pumpkins is playing. It'd be a very morose day. Oh, yeah. And I told my dad, I was like, oh, I would love to go to that day. And my dad's like, eh. And I was like, what do you mean, eh? Like, it doesn't why rock would you... hard enough. No, because he wants to go see fucking Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, no, fuck that. Like, I don't. nobody wants to see Guns N' Roses. Fuck I want to see Guns N' Roses. Nobody wants to see Guns N' Roses. I no. want to see Guns N' Roses. No, no, you don't. You want to see Guns N' Roses from the 90s. You want to see Guns N' Roses when Terminator 2 soundtrack came out. You don't want to see Guns N' Roses now. I think everybody's no, I mistaken. Everybody thinks Chinese that, democracy. You want to see that's that's the that's the Guns N' Roses right now. That's it's Chinese democracy but with Slash playing Chinese democracy songs. They're going to play Welcome to the Jungle. They're going to play so? Mr. Brown. They're going to play Mr. Brownstone. So? They're going to play they're going to play Out to Get Me. But they're not the same band. They're a shell. It's true. So why would you want to wait? Like, like preserve, preserve the 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 feeling. Anyway, my That's point true. is, is they're playing. Ninety Nails is playing, and with Teeth is one of my favorite albums of theirs, and I don't feel like it gets enough credit. Like it was one that had a bunch of singles off it that people were interested in, uh, and there was a lot of kind of col- contributions with his soundtrack person that he does a lot of music with, Atticus Ross. Um, but my favorite thing about this is. That Dave Grohl plays all of the drums on this album. Ah, so like for for songs like "The Hand That Feeds" and "Only," like the song. There's a song called "You Know What You Are," um, and it's like that's this really wild drum beat. It sounds like a drum machine, and it's just Dave Grohl just being fucking the greatest drummer. And so the album is really impressive. It's a really good Nine Inch Nails album, but it's really interesting to hear Dave Grohl play in Nine Inch Nails, and it be that type of so i really like it for that reason um 
And then as I was kind of exploring this album and looking at like all the stuff that Trent Reznor does, you don't realize how much he's had his hands in music and the stuff that he's done. Like we people know he does soundtracks. Like you know mm-hmm. he does soundtracks for movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, he did that animated movie Soul, which is ridiculous. Yeah, well, that's, well, that's what I was going to say. So he did The Social Network, he did The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, he did Gone Girl, he did Patriot's Day, um, Bird Box, and then he did the Disney Pixar movie Soul, which you're like, excuse me? Yeah, um, he also did the soundtrack for the Watchmen TV show. Not a good show. I heard it was really good. Oh, dude, it was terrible. Okay, uh, I think you're the only person that's ever said that. The only good thing that came out of that show was the fact that it put more people onto the Tulsa massacre. Like it, it was like now people know about it a little bit more. It's more in the cultural, like it's more in the collective unconscious before yeah. people didn't really know about it. But that show sucked. Hmm. I think Suck! you're the only person. That's, you're the only person that's ever said that. Most people are dumb. Uh, so the the one credit that I thought was really cool though is that he did the soundtrack and sound effects for the video game Quake. Yeah, because when you play Quake, if you when you get the nail gun and like the second level, all the nail gun ammo pickups have the Nine Inch Nails logo on them. <laughs> that's so, it's a anyway, good. It's a good weapon in the game. I like. Quake. Yeah. So. Anyway, go listen. Go listen to with teeth. I mean, if you're not a Nine Inch Nails fan, you're not gonna like it. It's purely a Nine Inch Nails album, um, but it is like a, it's more melodic and it's more upbeat than some of the other stuff. Like it's not as dark and creepy and like addiction heavy. Like this is like after he's gotten sober, so it's yeah. a little bit cleaner and the production's a little bit nicer. So that girl, the Dwid knew, uh, broke his heart, but this is after that he's gotten over it. Yeah, he's gotten over it. He's healed, uh, so he's he's doing okay now. She left him for a dude from Filter? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's ridiculous, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. So, so, uh, so that's my number four is, uh, Nine Inch Nails with Teeth. It's a great fucking album. My number three is another show, and that show is called Faulty Towers. <laughs> there it is. I knew Faulty it. Towers, it's perhaps the greatest British sitcom in all of history. Two seasons, 12 episodes, in and out, bangers, everyone, legendary. The series was created by Monty Python's John Cleese and his wife at the time, Connie Booth. Now, if you remember Holy Grail, which we've all seen... Connie Booth was in a lot of the Python stuff, and she was the witch who turned me into a newt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got better. I got better. Um, but she's the witch. She's like, I'm not a witch. I'm not. Actually, Connie Booth was from America, but she lived in England for so long, she picked up a British accent. Uh-huh. Um, unlike, so- unlike the guy we worked with at Starbucks that lived in America and picked up a British accent, but <laughs> uh, but did, never lived anywhere but Holly Hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. Yeah. Uh, so Faulty Towers starred John Cleese and Connie Booth. The show centers around the titular hotel, Faulty Towers. It's in Torquay. Torquay. It's a little seaside town in the UK. And it's it's named after their temperamental proprietor, Basil Faulty, who's played by John mm-hmm. Cleese. Connie Booth plays the main chambermaid, Polly. And she's always trying to get Basil out of his harebrained schemes, you know, some real Ralph Cramden shit. 
Um, you know, he's gambling behind his wife's back. He's hiring a cheap, drunken Irish contractor, very racist against Irish people. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like staging a surprise party for his wife. It goes horribly wrong. Basil yeah. is the, the quintessential henpecked husband of sitcoms. Sure. Um, his wife, Sybil, uh, played by Prunella Scales, who reportedly was a very sweet woman, but she was a viper in the show. Um, and he, but he also kind of deserves it most of the time because Basil Fawlty's kind of an asshole. You okay. love him, but he's an asshole. Yeah, yeah, big, yeah, yeah. Big, tall asshole. Um, but then there's the waiter, Manuel. He's sort of the slapstick foil. He's from Barcelona, and so he doesn't speak English very well. And he constantly misinterprets directions. He's always getting into trouble. He's played by a guy named Andrew Sachs. He was a British guy. People said, like, why are you letting a British guy play him? And so, of course, people talk about it. But he did a great job. Manuel's actually kind of like the heart of the show. He's a very lovable character. And it's not that he's stupid. He just doesn't understand things because he doesn't speak very good English. Okay, okay. But he is very funny. Uh, Basil is, she, he's not a, like, Hyacinth Bouquet in the way that he's constantly trying to be more refined than he actually is. Right, of course. He's just way more of a dick about it. He's always insulting the guests for their lack of decorum. Uh, but at the same time, if somebody who's deemed upper class comes in, he's, like, you know, falling all over them. Of the 12 episodes, there isn't a single stinker. The most famous is the Germans. People always say the Germans. That's the funniest Faulty Towers episode. That's a comedy classic. It's more infamous now because there's a character that lives at the hotel called the Major. Okay. Old World War One vet. Uh, you know, old British guy. You can probably imagine that he doesn't have very ref- a very refined look on the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Probably not great. He throws the N-word out a couple of times. Now, the reason it's sort of like with All in the Family, they're kind of showing how preposterous and how stupid it is to be a racist. And the major never, the major's always drunk and he never looks good. So it's like he always comes off as kind of a dumbass. Yeah. So it tracks. But I I was actually watching the episode because I've seen the episode a million times. If you took that sequence out, it doesn't affect the episode. So I wouldn't be heartbroken if they did. I just don't want them to pull the whole episode from Prime. But I have the DVDs, so it doesn't matter. So (laughs) that's also the one where Basil injures his head and he brutally insults a group of German guests. He starts goose-stepping around the hotel. Holy shit. It's very funny. (laughs) Now, my favorite episode of Faulty Towers, hands down, is The Kipper and the Corpse. So okay. basically this guest dies overnight and Basil and Manuel, it's this comedy of errors where they have to move the body from room to room without being seen by the other guests. <laughs> it doesn't go as planned. People see them. Mrs. Tibbs. She also lives there. Of course. Very old of lady. Course. She gets very upset, passes out. They got two bodies to move. Now they're dragging two bodies all over the hotel screaming. Now, as you can expect with Cleese writing the show, top notch dialogue. Of course. Monty Python. I mean, Holy Grail is top 10 comedies of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Life of Brian was a little more out there. It's funny, but Holy Grail, without a doubt, in the show, too, uh, something completely different. Um, He has these little pet names for Sybil. He calls her my little piranha fish. (laughs) He He calls her the toxic midget, and he calls her my little nest of vipers. (laughs) And he also compares her laugh to someone machine gunning a seal. 
Okay, okay, that's good. I like that. So Basil's always getting into it with Manuel, and you know he he does slap him around. <laughs> he oh my god! He smashes his head into a wall at one point. He throws him down the stairs, but. Like I said, Manuel is the lovable one, and you find out the the final episode of the show. It's not a finale; it's just the last episode. Uh, it's called Basil the Rat. We find out that Manuel keeps a rat as a pet, but he thinks it's a hamster, <laughs> and he's named it Basil. So it's a shame. There's only twelve episodes. It's a perfect show. They went out on top. The first season came out in '75, and the second in '79. So they did try to revive it in America. Not revive it. They tried to remake it. Okay. So they did one in 78 with Betty White. Um, oh. And they had Harvey Corman from the Carol Burnett show, hilarious, play the Basil character. Never made it past a pilot. They did Amanda's by the Sea in 83, where B. Arthur played sort of a Basil faulty role. Good jokes. She's a little more maud than Dorothy, but kind of corny. Then there was one okay. in the 90s with John Larroquette, but I've never seen that one. Okay. Faulty Towers is still regarded as one of the best sitcoms of all time. I got the box set. I also have it digitally on Amazon. They take the Germans off. I still got it. <laughs> you know, it, it's just if you if you like comedy, if you're a comedy nerd, which is such a terrible thing to say, but if you're somebody who considers yourself a comedy nerd and you don't know Faulty Towers, you need to hand it your papers. So, okay, that's yeah. my number three. Faulty Towers, one of the greatest shows. Of all time. Uh, okay, so my number three is an app uh, that I recently downloaded. And oh, boy. No, actually, you'll like this one. So uh, you go, oh, boy. Uh, and then you're going to feel real stupid in a second, as per usual. I, so, I don't feel stupid that often. Okay, get ready, because you're going to feel real stupid about that comment you just made. So uh, you and I have, whenever we do research and we look up bands and stuff like that, oftentimes we will go on websites and look up releases and whatnot, and typically we go and reference Discogs, right? Yes. It's a fun It's a fun app. To, it's a fun website to check out. Well, they have an app. Did you know they have an app? I did not. They do. So that's my number three is the Discogs app. Oh. So here's something I've been working on for the last couple of days. I have been trying to inventory because I like to inventory my things. I like to know what, like, how, which books I've read, which books I haven't read. Like, I like to kind of keep track of that stuff because I'm fucking neurotic. Yeah, it's, it's sick. I'm sick. So, uh, so anyway, I have been adding my LPs, my records that I have, into my Discogs um, biography, so I can kind of mm. keep an eye on uh, what I have, what I don't have, what I'm missing, what I'm not missing, and kind of maybe even get an idea of the value. I haven't put in all of my seven inches, but I have put in all my full LPs and a couple seven inches. And uh, of my records, I have a pretty, pretty good record collection that's worth pretty quite a bit of worth quite a bit of money. Um, which I'm not like, I don't consider myself like a record collector nerd, but I do feel like, um, I do like to know that like, Hey, this is not, this is worth taking care of because if I had to like, if I were in a pinch and I had to sell all my records off, I could do something with that. How much you get? How much so, you get? So, so right now, uh, I have, um, 83 records in and, uh, and all of them are not, they're like, some of them, they're not even listed because like, um, like they don't have prices like the virginity pop mortem record doesn't have a price mm-hmm. um poor poor casey and all them uh i don't have the, that record uh it's it's i have a really cool one too it's clear with like a neon splatter um thanks casey yeah i bought it 
So I, oh, I, yeah. I supported them. So uh, I had I'll the backstabbers. Buy it. I'll buy it. The backstabbers advocate split. That's like the blue marble seven inch in the in that yeah. one. Uh, that's a good one. So right advocate now without. What's that? Yeah, Advocate was a great band. Um, my current list, I don't have anything on my want list. It's just my current collection, uh, is averaging about $3,600. Well, would you look at that? Which is not a lot of, which is not a lot, but it's like, it's a decent chunk of change for a couple of pieces of plastic, you know? So, uh, and it is cool. It is cool to like pull a record and be like, oh, like I have this record. It's probably not worth that much. And you kind of go, oh shit, it actually is. Like for example, uh, and I'm, and I'm not here to like talk about like, uh, oh, my record collection, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, the one record that surprised me was that I have a loved ones. Let me pull it up real quick so I can explain. Do you got a Chung King? I don't, but I do have losers, Kings and other things we don't understand in a, uh, with the Japanese, writing on it um uh, and, and that is also, that's also cool that's very cool and that's also purple it's a purple version of it and that one's worth 70 bucks wow so uh i mean again it, this is not we're not talking like we're not talking about like uh like big dollars like bitcoin type of shit like i don't have anything super rare um i have a loved ones build and burn version it's got a silk screen tour insert that's mm. pretty cool. And that one's like 60 bucks for like the loved ones record. So, and that one's just a black vinyl with just like, it's literally just cause I have the insert. Um, and so it's just, I don't know. It's kind of interesting to see that I'll never sell those records. And I want to be clear about that. Like, I'm not like going on there going like, well, I wonder what I could get from this. I'll get rid of it. I'm never getting rid of those records. So, but it is cool. You don't to get see rid that. of anything. I don't get rid of anything. I, it's a sickness. Like you said, it's, it's a sickness. Uh, I never, I never get, I've never given, uh, the only books I've given away are books from people. I just dislike a lot that I got by accident. Like I don't, I I'm getting, I'm giving, I'm giving away my Ayn Rand books and my Jordan Peterson book that I got as a gift. <laughs> Lobsters. For my number two, I have another show for you, but we're, we're jumping ahead a couple of decades. My number two is the Michael Richards show. <laughs> Obviously, okay. this was before the Laugh Factory meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, this is... But he actually has been back on TV. He was in a show with Kirstie Alley for a while. Which Oh, good for him. I'll say this. Veronica's Closet, not a bad sitcom. And as far as Michael Richards go, what he said was reprehensible. I will say, I have, been in, I have done stand-up. Someone has heckled me, and I lit into them in a horrible way. I think he was trying to say the meanest thing he could think of at that moment, but he just chose probably the only thing you should never, ever, ever fucking say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't think he puts on uh, a hood and robes in his spare time, but he did fuck up. Yeah, we can move on from that. I, I'm, don't tell me. I'm just saying. <laughs> so anyway. The Michael Richards Show. After the end of Seinfeld, it was natural. They wanted to spin everybody off into their own shows. Of course, mm-hmm. they picked Michael Richards first because he's Kramer and everybody loves Kramer. You don't have to love Michael Richards to love Kramer. So in the year 2000, Spike Fairstein, he had written for the Dana Carvey Show, um, which was where you know you saw Steve Carell for the first time, Stephen Colbert for the first time. Saw a lot of people get their start there. Uh, the Simpsons, he wrote for Letterman and Seinfeld. He created the Michael Richards Show. Now, this show starred Michael Richards as private detective Vic Nardoza. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Such a great name. Such a great TV name. I'm Vic Nardoza. And the original idea was to sort of keep his performance distinct from Kramer's zany antics. But right. NBC, you know, the Peacock people, they basically said it's Kramer or there's no show. So there's eight existing episodes. And throughout them, Richards, he sort of does half a Kramer, maybe three quarters of a Kramer. He's got a bit more common sense. He's not as zany, but he does fall over things a lot and get hurt. Okay. The, op- <laughs> the opening scene of the third episode, he's he's a private eye right now, so he's tailing someone, and he ends up like falling over a flat top in a diner, and he gets a grilled cheese smashed into his suit, and he's just, <laughs> he's flapping all around. He's like, hey oh, hey oh. So, um, the supporting cast at the detective agency, they're they're not all great, but there's a couple of them are pretty good. Bill Cobb. He's the old guy in the, in the <laughs> who's he's seen it all. Bill Cobb, he, he you know he was an actor in like the 60s, 70s and 80s. He's he's a he's a very funny, very understated guy. One of my favorite quotes, he's like you know, uh Vic wants to go somewhere to like tail somebody. He's like, "You want me to ride shotgun? I'll go get the shotgun." So, <laughs> then you got Amy Farrington as Stacy. She's the only one with common sense. At least they gave the one female in the office common sense so she didn't get a lot of lines. You got Tim Meadows as the naive sort of intern Kevin. And you got William Devane, who I don't know. He's the owner and he's a terrible detective. So this is one of those shows that like could have been incredible. Like months ago, I talked about the show Players uh-huh. with the guys from UCB in it. It would that would have been an incredible show if they'd given it time to grow. This show also could have been incredible if it had been given time and also written just a bit better. If you watch the first season of Seinfeld or you watch the first season of Sunny, it's not great. It's not right. groundbreaking. It's funny. It, it's it's different, but it's like really you got a season right. two out of this. I mean, right. thank God we did. But I love Michael Richards doing Kramer. But if they'd allowed him to be a little less zany, because he reportedly lost interest in the show, I think it probably would have worked a little bit better. He was a stand-up comedian before Seinfeld anyway. Right. But the episode premises, uh, like, they have an episode where they have to rescue someone from a cult. <laughs> he, like, falls over a wall and he, like, comes back with somebody in a rug. It's it's very funny. <laughs> okay. He gets his identity stolen by Ed Begley Jr., uh, who has his name, Vic Nardoza. There's two Vic Nardozas, and then they both, like, decide, hey, let's team up and, like, make life easier by having both of us do the work of one person. <laughs> he also unionizes this sweatshop. There was so much potential with storylines, way different than other sitcoms. He's a private eye, after all. Right. And Bill Cobb, like I said, the, the old guy in the office, fantastic. If you if to draw a parallel for anyone who watches sitcoms, uh, he was sort of the Stephen Root character from News Radio. He wasn't in every scene, but he would come in and he would steal the scene. Uh-huh. The show just never really found its legs. And it the in the funny enough, we're talking about Seinfeld spinoffs. The same thing happened to Jason Alexander. He had a show in like 2001 called Bob Patterson. He he basically played a motivational speaker whose life was a mess. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and 
and it was funny. It was just a little corny, but it was funny. And if 9-11 hadn't happened, it probably would have stayed on the air because that's kind of what killed it in the ratings because people were like, fuck this. We're watching the news and Food Network, and that's it. So the only one who really got out of the Seinfeld curse besides Seinfeld was Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And that right. wasn't really – I mean, she had some successful shows, but not until Veep. Fantastic shows, one of the best shows ever. So, seven of the eight episodes of the Michael Richards shows, right? Michael Richards show are on YouTube. I'll link them. It's a pretty decent late '90s sitcom. It came out in 2000, but like the 2000s didn't start until after 9/11. That's what I. Think. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. I think that's a fair starting point. I mean, really, that's that's kind of like it was 2000. It was 2001, but it was still the '90s. Yeah, it still felt like happened. it. Yeah, it still felt until like it. until everything got real. Yeah, I got too real. But anyway, got too real. Michael Richards show. I'll link it. It's on YouTube. You should watch it. It's it's not bad. It's pretty funny. Okay. 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 And when I say you, I don't mean you. I mean yeah, 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 yeah. I get what you're, you're saying. Not I, watch. Yeah, I'm not gonna fucking watch it. Yeah, like, like you know, somebody else will watch it. That's that's great. Somebody um, watch it for Christ's sake. Yeah, support Michael. Um, so Richards and you. Um, you don't really need to support Michael Richards. No, no, no. That's fine. Nah, support yeah. support yeah, you. Okay, so my number two is a twofold thing, and I'm going to explain these, and I feel like you'll have a lot of fun with this, um, okay. because you did have so much fun with Matt and I when we went to go see wrestling. This has to do with wrestling. There are two. There are two things that are happening in WWE and AEW separately, and I'm going to talk about both of them that okay. are fill that just making me laugh so hard because they're so ridiculous and they are just so they're just a very funny thing so let's start with wwe because i feel like that's the one that we gotta start with so in wwe there was a wrestler named elias and his whole thing he was elias the drifter and he played an acoustic guitar and he would like sing he like he's like he had a big beard and he like wore (laughs) jeans he wrestled and he like and he would uh he looked like he, he looked like he was fucking he looked like chuck reagan was a fucking wrestler uh, so, so his whole thing, his whole shtick was that he was a bad guy and in every city he'd sing some song and he would talk shit about the city and then he'd get beat up and like it was a whole thing. So anyway, he did this for a long time. Like he did this for a long time. That was a shtick. Well, he ended up coming off TV for a while. Like he was kind of nowhere to be found. And then they reintroduce him as a character named Ezekiel. So you've got Elias and Ezekiel. And Ezekiel is clean-shaven, short hair. He wears, like, tr- traditional wrestling trunks. And and everybody's like, uh, Elias, what are you doing? Like, even the wrestlers on the show are like, you're fucking Elias. Uh, and he's like, no, I'm Ezekiel. I'm Elias's younger brother. And, and like, and they're, everybody's in on the joke. Like, everybody's aware that, like, it's so ridiculous. And mm-hmm. the best part is that, all the wrestlers are like, of course, this is Ezekiel. This is Elias's wrestler, Elias's brother. And the one character, Kevin Owens, is like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, like he, it's like he's being gaslit on this show, and it's great <laughs> watching him lose his shit. He's so like, there's one no. guy upset about it. There's one one wrestler upset about it. Everybody's like, it's Ezekiel. It's Elias's younger brother, and they keep telling Kevin Owens that, and he's like, no. You are fucking like it's like he's so mad about it, and it's great watching him. He's like he's getting in his face, he's like you're lying, stop it. And he's like I don't know what you're talking about. I am Ezekiel, and then he's like ah, like it's like driving him nuts. It's so dumb, but it is a thing that's like made me laugh because it is so silly. So that's the first thing. That's WWE. 
in AEW, they have recently brought in this new wrestler that is easily one of my favorite things ever because his gimmick should not work, and it does. And his name is Danhausen. That's the guy in my background, this guy named Danhausen. And this guy is a skinny tattooed guy who wears, uh, like, really, it looks like really scary, like, 1920s silent movie type of demon face paint. Yeah, he looks like the man who laughs. <clears throat> yeah, it's so scary. So his whole shtick is that he's a wrestler that's possessed by a demon and he has evil powers. <laughs> that's good. So his character is based on, he specifically says his character is based on Conan O'Brien and Mark Hamill's Joker. So he talks like this, like he does this. His voice is like O'Brien? this. Conan O'Brien? Yeah, like, yeah, because he's really funny. So, like, oh. he's like, ah, hello, everyone. I'm Dan Housen. Very nice, very evil. Like, so, like, everything is, like, very, like, he just introduces, if he likes something, it's very nice, very evil. Okay. Um, and his whole thing is that he doesn't necessarily wrestle. He just comes out because he's friends with Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Your favorite wrestler. He's friends, so he hides under the ring. He hides under the ring, and he shows up, and then during Orange Cassidy's matches or when something happens, he curses the other wrestlers. He's like, ha! And he curses them and does this hand movement, and then every time he does it, something bad happens to the wrestler. (laughs) Like, they fall off a ladder. They, like, fall out of the ring. They get hit with something. It it happens every single time when he curses somebody. He's like, ha! Like, he curses them. And it is one of my favorite things ever because it is – what makes wrestling so great? It is that suspension of just like reality. Like you go in and you just appreciate the fact that they're telling this ridiculous story and it's fun. That's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be these serious macho men that are doing these feats of strength. It's supposed to be fucking ridiculous. The Ultimate Warrior was a ridiculous character. He always was. He always will be. Sting is a ridiculous character, even when he is himself who is Sting. <laughs> so. They, it like, is I who it, is me. I am Sting. I I uh, the the duality of Sting is me and I and myself. Uh, who is Sting? So the thing is though is I really like this guy and he interviews and he was on Conan O'Brien needs a friend. He was on the podcast talking about this. Like he's just so ridiculous. Right now though the storyline is is that there's one person that is impervious to his curses and that is a wrestler named Hook who is uh, Taz from uh, ECW, like the the, the mini suplex machine that this guy was. It's his kid. So every time Dan Housen tries to curse him, the guy just looks at him and just walks away, and he's like, what the hell? Like, he's, like, really (laughs) mad about it. So, like, he gets it's really funny to kind of watch. He also will do the the tequila dance, the Pee Wee Herman tequila dance at random times. Like, this is, like, Mm -hmm. one of his, like, he's just a very silly character like that. He he feels like he was lifted out of Pee Wee Herman. So, anyway, it's, it's really great, and I feel like, I feel like when you see him, you will really appreciate him because it's one of those things like Orange Cassidy where everybody is behind this dude. Everybody's like, fuck yes, Dan Housen rules. Is it Stan or Dan? Dan. Dan Dan. Housen. Uh, And also, as a a side note, he is married to a Canadian burlesque dancer uh, who goes by Lulu de Duchess de Riere. Mm. So, um, which, you know, is fun. How long Um, has the AEW been around? Uh, not very long, just a few years. So like I could, if I want to really get into it, I'm like, I'm still at the point where I can get into it. Yeah, you're fine. And even and honestly, like, that's the thing is like with wrestling, you can just kind of jump in wherever and like, you can kind of pick up the storylines pretty quickly. Like it's not bad, but like AEW has been around for just a couple years. Dude, I, I, I legitimately do sometimes think about when we went and I'm just like, man, that was really fun. And it was funny. I would yeah. love, I would love to see it again. 
Yeah. Get the well, fucking, and- get the TV thing. Let's have wrestling nights. I'll do it. Yeah, well, so, and so you all, so just another thing, too, that what makes this guy really funny is, like, you can see him. He's, like, a skinny tattooed, like, he's a hardcore kid, like, for sure. Um, And he's definitely a hardcore kid. But when he comes out, when he comes out, he's built, you know, like, every wrestler is billed as, like, at six foot three and 240 pounds from Daytona B. Like, they do that, right? So when he comes out, he's, like, at least seven feet tall, which this guy's, like, probably 5'10", over 300 pounds from someplace far away. That's how he gets billed. Like, it's, like, so his whole thing is like nobody knows where how big he is or where he's from it's all very exaggerated so it's great it's great it's like he's like ah very nice very evil yes and then he like moves on and just go like it's i'll have to send you an interview that he does because it's fucking hilarious well i have to say that as a wrestling like novice because i don't know anything my favorite wrestlers at this point that i've encountered that i've seen are definitely orange cassidy and I really liked the guy who looked like Freddie Madball. He thought he was very funny. <laughs> oh, Eddie Kingston, yes. <laughs> yeah, Eddie Kingston was great. I loved Thunder Rosa, and I really liked Ruby Soho. So yeah, I, I, there you go. Those are the ones that I really dug. And I and, and I liked you liked the Darby guy. Allen. Yeah, Darby Allen was great. He was great when he did the coffin drop <laughs> thing. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. really cool. Uh, it was completely see, stupid. But it was so stupid. But so you, stupid you haven't to do that to yourself. But it was great. He breaks his body for our entertainment. It's very yeah. Sad. You haven't seen him do this yet, but he will skateboard to the ring and skateboard away from the ring. And sometimes he'll bring the skateboard in the ring and he will <laughs> jump and he'll drop in onto a wrestler on a skateboard. <laughs> like you didn't get to see him do that. I forgot that he did that. Dude, I would love to see that. That would be so yeah. great. Yeah, he drops in. He just did that on um, um, Andrade the other day. He like dropped, he dropped this- in on his back. I'm saying this on the podcast for posterity. I want to get into AEW wrestling, so let's <laughs> let's make that happen. Yeah, we can do that. That's, and I'm it's totally not because I've that. had a couple of beers. It's because I'm just thinking about how funny it was, and you know, I love lore. So let's, yeah, let's, we well, this it. guy is great. He's a wrestler possessed by a demon that curses people who don't like his friends. <laughs> Sounds like something you would have come up with. It's fucking great. It's the it's the best character. <sighs> Well, all right. Is it time for number one? Number one. I love the idea of lost media. You know, a show that never got off the ground. Nobody remembers it. Never really got released. It's interesting to imagine what could have been. Uh Uh-huh. And it's interesting to find these little nuggets of, uh, and, and to find the things that are enjoyable about them. My number one is just such a show. It is called Middleman. Mm. Now, Middleman was a sitcom pilot that was never picked up. It was written by none other than Larry Charles, who started as a writer on the sketch show Fridays, which okay. was... Sort of in the 80s, it was kind of a half-hearted attempt to challenge Saturday Night Live. Yeah. It starred Larry David and Michael Richards. This was before Seinfeld. And for anyone who likes Seinfeld, that there's a line where Kramer says, right this way, Mr. Duty. That was a reference to one of the more famous sketches from the show where Larry David was a valet for Howdy Duty, but it was like uh-huh. a guy painted up like the puppet. And he'd like open the door for him. He'd like, right this way, Mr. Duty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, if you ever seen Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey, 
Um, that's the show that's depicted Fridays when Norm Macdonald plays Michael Richards and Andy, Andy Kaufman won't do his lines and Norm slams the cue cards down in front of him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Do you remember mm -hmm. man on the moon? No. Yes, I do. I do. That was a good, that was a good one. Anyway, Larry Charles, he also, I don't know if you knew this, but he directed Borat, Bruno, the dictator. He directed like 18 episodes of curb and he directed some episodes of entourage, which I don't watch. Okay. And he, he executive produced The Tick, the cartoon, back in the day. Okay. So anyway, Middleman was Larry Charles' creation. He made it in 95. It was, it was definitely when Seinfeld was like a juggernaut. And the right. pilot starred Wayne Knight, that you might know as Newman mm -hmm. from Seinfeld, or Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park. Okay. Okay. He's I the, know that guy. The lightest fat man on his feet since Jackie Gleason. I now, just watched. Uh, I just watched a show about. It was like the behind the scenes of Jurassic Park. Did you know that the, the Tyrannosaurus was uh, because they were filming in the rain? It absorbed a bunch of water, so it got really, really heavy, and that's why it broke through the glass into the car because the the hydraulics weren't strong enough to hold up the really heavy Tyrannosaurus uh, animatronic. That I did not know. I mean, not that it matters. No, it doesn't. Go on. So the premise is that Roy, played by Wayne Knight. He works at this infectious disease lab out in the Nevada desert. Uh-huh. <laughs> kind of a weird setup for a sitcom in the 90s. He has yeah. a wife named Ray, and things are constantly going wrong in the house, and she's always fixing them. And her oft-repeated line is, I called the guy, Roy. I called him. So in the pilot, Ray's parents are staying with them. And they're sort of making Roy's life hell. They're eating all the food, monopolizing the TV, letting the phone ring, and just being annoying. And the rub was that Larry Charles intended the show to be a sort of surreal dark comedy with layers of conspiracy and strange goings on at the lab and out in the community. Almost like a precursor to Welcome to Night Vale. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like Twin Peaks with, with funniness? Yeah, it, it was sort of meant to subvert the sitcom uh, format, but still be a sitcom, which I think yeah. is fantastic and very interesting. It just didn't turn out that way. You also got Peter Crombie, who played Crazy Joe Davola on Seinfeld. He ran a convenience store out in the middle of the desert, and he was like slowly going crazy. Uh -huh. And Roy, Roy visits him at one point during the pilot, and... It's kind of hinted that he hides bodies in the drink freezers. So okay. there was they laid all this groundwork for this darkness, but NBC sort of neutered the show. And they took a lot of the surreal aspects out. So it became kind of like a middling sitcom about this man who's henpecked by his in-laws and he has sort of a strange job. During the first scene, Wayne Knight does enter by falling down the stairs. So there, there was a certain amount of physical comedy and he did have a few Newman like panic rants uh, okay. during the one episode as well. I would say all in all middleman is a really cool Seinfeld adjacent curiosity. If you haven't watched it, it has its moments. You definitely should check it out. If you're a big fan of Seinfeld, you'll see some of the same DNA reportedly, uh, Jerry Seinfeld did the warm up for the live audience. Uh huh. Because uh -huh. that's the thing they used to do. That's that's actually like a gig that stand ups used to have in the 80s and the 90s. They would warm up the audience for the laugh track. Right. So, anyway, Middleman starring Wayne Knight, 
created by Larry Charles. It's interesting. It's not the funniest thing I've ever seen, but it's pretty interesting. And it's cool to see Peter Crombie because Crazy Joe Davola was a completely underutilized character in Seinfeld. So I'll link the episode. It's on YouTube. You should check it out. I, uh, you know, I, I always find like little bits of that fascinating. Like you mentioned, like lost media and stuff like that. I always love finding stuff that's like, like it's, it's, it feels like it just was never gonna get the push it needed or it was, and I feel like we do that with music, right? Like we find like B side, that's what B sides are is like lost media somewhere, you know? So I feel like it's interesting to kind of do that with shows. You would never think to do that. I would never think to do that. I love finding stuff that is sort of lost and middleman was lost until Larry uh, Charles put it on his, on his YouTube channel. And apparently it's not the only pilot that was filmed that he wrote. So I'm, I'm watching his channel very closely because I want to see more, you know, whatever other stuff that he put out there is very interesting to me. All right. So my number one, uh, has to do with media. And I think this is something that you and I can both relate to. So I think that having written music and pouring passion into something and, and putting out products, like I think there's, I think everybody kind of has this feeling like they want to leave a mark. They want to leave their dent on the world. Like they want to leave something that is there permanent, right? It's always kind of cool to have something permanent, like, you know, a piece of music that we've written that can be carried on or something like that. I think that we, I think that we can relate to that. I think that, you know, we've written books and stuff and had that piece too, where it's like, this is something that will can live on beyond our years. Right. And hopefully. Yeah. And I think there's something really cool about that. Well, I've never really that's it's something that I've always kind of like been fascinated with but never it's it's never been like a goal of mine until more recently um in the last couple of weeks I was able to get a bit of my research published so uh my number 1 is a an official research publication of mine that I got out in our field of behavior analysis and it's called humble humble behaviorism redo uh, redux um, and uh, it is officially published in uh, one of the major journals in our field oh, well congratulations thank you so I want to kind of talk about this for a second because it's a, it's a weird thing I was asked by um, uh, one of the co-authors on this which she's the lead author she's the first author her name is Megan uh, Kirby and she is currently married to the guitar player from Light the Fuse and Run. So she's like, she grew up in like punk. So like, she's like, it's like punk adjacent. Like she grew up in that. Um, she toured with that band Windhand for a little bit. She did their merch for a little while. Um, who that is. Uh, they're like a, they're like a, like a stoner metal band. Like if you listen to the sword, they kind of sound like that, um, but heavier. And so she had originally years, like a couple years ago before the pandemic and all that, she, she and I had talked about the possibility of doing like a spoken word at fest. And I was like laughing. Cause I was like, oh, of course that's, that would be the thing that got me to fest. Not any of my bands. My bands never got me to fest. It's like fucking my, my, you know, my PhD, like that's so stupid. Um, so anyway, so we've always kind of like been, we've always worked on like projects together around each other and stuff. And it was really cool because uh, this, this paper came up and she asked me to review this paper and I got to contribute a bunch to it. And we did some revisions and went through the peer review process. And, um, and, and if you've ever been through a peer review process for research, it's f- ridiculous. Like, uh, so we send it in and we get feedback anonymously. And one of the people, and it is like, these people that wrote this article seem to know nothing about behavior. And I was kind of like, You've got three fucking doctors of behavior analysis that wrote this paper. I think we know. I think we know something about this. Yeah, you were like, "Fuck you." 
you. So we did do that. You know what we did? We did the professional fuck you, and you were like, this re- this reviewer clearly did not read our paper. Uh, as evidenced by blah, 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 we would like to request another reviewer, and we would like to extend that this reviewer no longer read any of our publications going forward. Um, snap, and snap. they did it. And then the next reviewer came in and was like, this paper fucking rules. Um, and then we got it published. And so it's published in uh, Behavior and Social Issues. Really cool. Uh, which has led me to setting up uh, a profile on ResearchGate, which is apparently like um, this kind of like research collective that holds on to your papers and you can share stuff and whatnot. So here's the thing, though. This is something that's been blowing my mind. The paper itself has been reviewed and cited and reviewed and cited and reviewed and cited a whole bunch in the last like few weeks, like in the last week since it's come out uh, to the degree that at the Kansas ABA conference of the five presentations that were there, three of them cited our present our paper already. Like Damn. it came out like a couple days and people are already citing it and sharing it and stuff, which is really cool. My the on the research gate stuff, like my my they give you stats on like the projects you've done. So like right now I've published two things. I've published this humble behaviors and paper, and I published my self-care dissertation, which is like a dissertation. People don't typically read those because they're like two hundred fucking pages. They're a lot. So right now, though, across both of my things, my my publications, it looks like the stats they're showing that I've had over two thousand people read my work. Mm. So nice. And and at the end, the reason I talk about this like kind of like this permanence thing is this this thing with research. Once something is published in research, it doesn't go away. It's there forever. Like it is in the lexicon of the behavior analytic scientific body. And I think that that is something that was like kind of really profound to think about. Like I'm not like, yeah, me forever. But it's like one of those things that's kind of cool to like see that. And I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> me forever, me, me forever. Uh. Like it's not like that. Like, and, and I certainly um, am not gonna go around and be like, "Did you read my paper? Did you read my paper? Did you read my paper?" But I do think it's really cool to think about the idea that this will last beyond me. Like somebody may cite this well beyond my death, you know. And 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 that's and I and that I've contributed even a little bit, even if it is too long for people to read. So, um, I don't know. I just think that's kind of a cool thing. So that's my number one is getting official research published. Well, congratulations, man. That's really awesome. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Good job. So I think that's it, right? Are we done with that stuff? Yeah. Let's do a countdown. Countdown. All right. Number five, the love I have and the healing power of sitcoms. To the moon, Alice. Right to the moon. Number like four, it. keeping up appearances. Sheridan deserves a father full of executive stress wearing a bow tie. <laughs> Number three, faulty towers. Don't mention the war. Number two, the Michael Richards show. Yippee-i, oh, yo. And number one, middleman. A creature? A creature? It'll kill us. It'll kill us and devour us. It'll rip the flesh from our bones and feast on our carcasses. Newman! <laughs> Number five, my uptick in hypomania. Apparently, I have borderline personality disorder. Uh, number four, apparently. Number four, Nine Inch Nails with teeth. All the real drums are Nirvana. Number three, Discogs app. Uh, everything is mint! Mint! Number two, uh, Ezekiel and Danhausen. Very nice, very evil, very housing. 
Uh, and number one, humble behaviors on Redux, science, bitch. <laughs> stupid That's science funny. bitches couldn't stupid. even make I more smarter. <laughs> yeah, it's good what stuff. Oh, we did it. I've grown, <laughs> I've grown quite wary. <laughs> what a great, what a great show. I need to go. I need to start watching that show. What's that show again? Will you fucking just watch the goddamn show? You made uh-huh. me watch it, and I became a lifelong fucking devotee of Sonny. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I do. I hand off. I hand off interest and leave it with that person. Okay, so should we shout out the patrons? Patrons. All right. Mike Osborne, Laura Crosby, Kate Neal, Amelia Andrews, Matthew Fisher, Jessica Crane, Mario Cipriano, Christian Pearlie, Nancy Crozier, Emily Lawson, Jessica DeMarco, Casey Crawford, Brian Stewart, Tyler Lagasse, and Joe Regano. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. Thank you, we thank got you. some cool stuff. We're trying to clear our merch, uh, our merch shelves right now. So buy some stuff if you have not. Uh, for people who are listening, I mean, uh, if you are a patron, you get discounts on that stuff, which is cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So we do share that, um, and we are trying to make some way, some room for some new stuff possibly coming down the pike. So um, if you would like to help us, that would be cool. Uh, I don't have any announcements. I don't think so. I'm working on a revision to anxiety report. That's going to include some new material and stuff. So I'm going to have that out probably by the end of the year okay. or maybe next year. Um, I'm working on my second book, Young Till I'm Old. It will be coming out, I don't know, sometime this year <laughs> or next year. But it will be coming out uh, either late this year or early next year. And I'm working on the second season of Wasteland, Roach Haven. One big super weird story so um check me out at wasteland pod i have some special episodes coming at the end of the month april 27th friday a a episode that i researched and wrote and i am about to record it is very interesting has to do with D, and also a murder that happened in our town that i n- never knew about Ooh, i like that it's scary it sounds like it yes it is Okay, well, I don't have anything else beyond that. That sounds great. I'm excited for that stuff to come out. All right, well, that's going to do it for us this week, and we will be back next week with a very funny episode because we're already working on it. It's very funny. So until then. Annihilate this week. And good night, Taco Bell Joe. Oh, wait, we forgot. Hail Hail Twid. And good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. He's probably filled with so much joy right now. He's probably watching sitcoms right now. He probably is. What what sitcom was, was his favorite? When I'm sitting there in that drive-thru, I really feel like Louis De Palma locked in his cage. I'm in a he's in a cage of emotion and filth, and I'm in a cage of tacos, buddy. That's that's <laughs> what I am. I'm in a cage that's filled with tacos and and sauce. <laughs> I think that's Farabee's favorite. Do you think he has any other ones that are his favorite? I tell you, I like that Welcome Back Carter, that John Travolta, that John Tra. Let me tell you something, buddy. He's going places. He's going places <laughs> just so long as nobody takes his face off. Because if they take his face off, buddy, he's got nothing. Because that guy cannot act. He can only dance. <laughs> All right. Well, All right. Uh, bye. We'll see you later. Bye. Bye. you want to find us on social media you can find us on instagram at i don't want to hear it pod you can find us on twitter at idwhi podcast 
You can find us on Facebook at I Don't Want to Hear a Podcast. Check out our website at I Don't Want to Hear a Podcast.com. And if you follow the link, it came from the beach. You can hear all our old bands and the bullshits that we did. You can check out our publishing company at WNDPress.com. And if you would like to submit a work or get published with us, uh, you can email us at info at wndpress.com. If you'd like to reach the show, you can email us at idwhipodcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, send us your information, let us know what you think. Please consider supporting the show. Check out our patron. You get all kinds of cool bonuses, including discounts on merchandise. You get bonus episodes like our Play It Loud and our Talk Among Us episodes, and all kinds of goodies. We make a bunch of playlists for y'all, too. Find us. It'll be great. It'll be great.